You're listening to Women Making Waves on Cambridge 105 Radio. As always, it's really nice to hear from Jan Moore, our contributor, and she spoke to an incredible lady once again, Sarah MacDonald, Director of Music at Selwyn College and a composer. Yes, she is. I love hearing from women in music, and we've got so many of them in this area. Of course, this is very church-based music, very classical music, and she was the uh, the first woman to get the job of Director of Music at Oxbridge. Sarah MacDonald is Director of Music at Selwyn College, and of course she's talking to our contributor, Jan Moore. There are still only four women in the number one post in the cathedral in the country. Historically, women were discouraged from doing anything more than pursuing music and composition at an amateur level. What I've really discovered this past couple of days, in fact, some fabulous Renaissance polyphony by Italian nuns. Normally, I have called myself the sort of liturgical necessity composer. I try and play at Little St Mary's just on a Sunday morning just to get a chance to play some hymns and do some improvisation rather than recital work. I recently visited Selwyn College to meet their Director of Music, Sarah MacDonald. When she was appointed 20 years ago, she was the first female Director of Music in any Oxford or Cambridge College. I started by asking her what those early days were like as the only woman in that role. Well, it was funny, I began just after Christmas, so I spent my first two terms not actually realising I was the only woman because there weren't any chances for all of us to meet. But it was the first set of choral and organ trials in September after I'd been in post for two terms that I looked around the room and was like, oh yes, I am actually the only woman here. And um, I then actually spent a number of years chairing those meetings. And I I used to have to (laughs) call the room to attention by just saying, gentlemen, because I didn't need to say ladies and gentlemen, because I was already called to attention and there weren't any other women. And I remember sometimes there'd be an admissions tutor for a college, perhaps, that didn't have a director of music at the time, and the admissions tutor might be a woman. And I would sort of look up and be disconcerted because I wasn't the only woman in the room. (laughs) So how long was it? Was it a fair amount of time before you were joined by other women? Yes, there was uh, one woman, uh, Madeline, who was appointed to Queen's in about... 2010-ish, I think. Oh, gosh, quite a um, So I was on my own for, for the first 10, yeah. 10, 11 years. Yeah. And she lasted for a couple of years. Then she got a job in Manchester and left. And then I have more recently been joined permanently by Anna Lapwood, who came to Pembroke a couple of years ago, mm. and Catherine Groom at Fitzwilliam, who was appointed last year. Right, but it's still small numbers, isn't it? Yes, absolutely. And what about Oxford? I don't know whether you know. but There's I'm one. Saying, there's one. There's one. Interestingly, she is, like me, not from this country. She's American. Yes. I have to add, I am not American. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, we should say that very clearly. You're definitely not American. You are Canadian. <laughs> so why do you think it is, then, that there are so few women in, in liturgical music? Well, it or does. Or is it just the academic bit of liturgical No, because there are hardly any in the cathedral world as well. In fact, on the 9th of April 2019, uh, the fourth ever senior number one post in an English cathedral was announced, which is Francesca Massey, who will take up the post of director of music at Rochester Cathedral in September. Oh, gosh. So Sarah Baldock 
was appointed to Chichester in 2008, although she's no longer there. She's moved into teaching now. Catherine Danish-Williams at Guildford in 2008. Tansy Castledine at Peterborough, appointed last year, and Francesca at Rochester. So there are still only four women in the number one post in a cathedral in the country. It's extraordinary that you can just, just name them like yeah, that. They're all and there they all are, just sort of on yeah. the fingers of one hand. Yeah. In, in this, this day and age, when you, you think about the numbers of women involved in, in singing in liturgical music, but not necessarily in cathedrals, but we'll perhaps come to that later. It's really interesting. So I know that from, from my bits of research that you've recently had a Cambridge Female Composers Festival and that was really came from undergraduates? That's right. Yep. It was organised by a group of undergraduate music students at a selection of colleges and it ran for the whole of the Lent term 2019 and was a huge success with orchestras, choirs, chapels, instrumentalists, singers all involved in some way or another. There were events, uh, two or three events every week through the, through the Lent term, and all kinds of fabulous music, some of which is, is sort of in the repertoire but not performed as often as it should mm. be, and then plenty of other repertoire which is just never performed. Mm. And it was interesting because there were a couple of things that struck me about the way that worked, and liturgically a number of colleges including Selwyn, were asked to participate by doing an, one entire service of Evensong with only music by women. And that was a fantastic thing to do. And, and, but what was particularly interesting was that King's Voices, so the mixed voice choir mm. at, at King's, mm-hmm. which sings just once a week, to be fair, so they only had to do this eight times. But Ben Parry, the director of music there, director of the, of the choir, I made sure that there was at least one woman composer in every service they sang last term, which was quite impressive. And the fact that that I am impressed by it goes to show that it's something of a feat. Yes. And it is extraordinary, though, isn't it, that that it's such an unusual thing and that we're very impressed by that. And it ought to really just be one of those things. And I read in the article that you'd written recently that... um, you are as guilty as everybody else as, as just programming this beautiful music. And I have to say, in my church choir where I'm programming music, it made me stop and think about, I've not programmed anything from females. But is there a lot of it about for the There is. I mean, there isn't as much as there is uh, from men yes. uh, for a variety of historical reasons, not the least of which is that historically women were discouraged from doing anything more than pursuing music and composition at an amateur level. Mm. And so although they may well have been fantastic, gifted young composers, once they got married, that stopped being the thing that they did. Whereas the men were allowed to, the the ones that had been, say, gifted as as younger students, were encouraged and allowed to carry on doing it professionally. So, I mean, the the Mendelssohns are the obvious example, you know, where Felix was, Felix and Fanny were as as talented, if you like to, if you want to use that word, as each other, encouraged as much as each other until about the age of 19, at which point Felix Mendelssohn's career took off and Fanny's was was Mm. kind of put on the back burner and so there are a number of things that she published which had to be published under her brother's name mm. which in itself is laughable <laughs> these days but but there there it's probably a, a fair argument to say that that actually her gift was never developed as much as as Felix's does that mean his music is better I don't know but that certainly means there's more of it mm. but what I've really discovered this past 
couple of days, in fact, was choosing the music list for, for next term, uh, where I've been determined as much as possible to try and get at least one female composer in every service. Now, I've got three and sometimes four services a week to prepare for eight ser- terms. Actually, I've struggled a little bit, mm. if I'm honest, because I do want the choir to sing you know, what has to date been the canon as well. Mm. But I've really enjoyed digging into music that has been hidden or not really lost, but is perhaps a a sort of has a cult following of female musicologists, perhaps. And in particular, have discovered some fabulous Renaissance polyphony by Italian nuns, which is easily as good as Palestrina or Victoria, some of which is even written for mixed voices. Some of it is written for for what's called you know equal voices so you yes. might have five parts but they're all yes. roughly equal you might uh, manage to do it with an, a soprano and alto choir but some of it i mean i found a fabulous eight-part double choir motet for easter sunday a setting of well in the latin words rise up my love mm-hmm. by um raffaella victoria aliotti which is you know satb double choir and it's as good, if not slightly better, than any setting of those words by any so-called well-known Renaissance man. Gosh. So why on earth is it not being sung? <laughs> I don't know. But anyway, it is being sung in Selwyn Chapel next term. <laughs> it's exciting, though, isn't it, to, to rediscover this? Do you, do you feel, because you're the, the first woman in this, in this role in, in Oxford, Oxford and Cambridge, a bit of a pioneer or the need to be a pioneer? <laughs> to be honest, I don't. And I... I, as I say, I mean, I, I like to, you know, forge my own path, but, and I'm only actually doing this in a sense to challenge myself. Mm. I mean, you know, Victoria Aliotti has been dead for 400 years, so it's not making any difference to her career whether I do her music or not. But it is actually... But it is opening the eyes of, of other people yeah. to say, OK, don't just look at, you know, what we expect, but also look around and say, just because it's got a woman's name on it, it it's going to be lesser... Yeah. quality music uh, and there's for any I mean I heard there's a wonderful quotation I heard recently which which um, I can't remember who said it I think it might have been Madeleine Albright but basically we will not have achieved true equality until there are as many mediocre women in your field whatever that field might be as there are mediocre men and you know there are lots and lots of women who are taking top spots in all kinds of places you know mm. I mean for heaven's sake uh, whatever one thinks of what, of her politics, our prime minister is yes. a woman, right? Yes, yes. But it's it's the mediocrity. There are thousands and thousands of mediocre men in every field, <laughs> and that's where there are not women. Yes. In order to succeed as a woman, you have to be absolutely phenomenally good, and you best. have to mm. be better than all of the men. Yes. Absolutely. So we will have achieved real equality yes. when actually, you know, if I can find the sort of mediocre equivalent of Murrell and E or whatever, as a set of 19th century canticles by Amy Beach or whoever it might be. Yes. You know, if I'm going to do something as mediocre by a man, why not do something mediocre by a woman Absolutely. as well? Absolutely. Just, it just all needs to be out there. Not that I uh, advocate programming mediocre music, I hasten to add. <laughs> but you compose as well. I do, yes. Um, for, the, for the liturgy. Yes, mostly liturgical mm. stuff. I, I haven't... I would never call myself a composer, although, believe it or not, I had a random commission yesterday from, from an American church. Nor- normally, I, I have called myself this sort of liturgical necessity composer. Yes. And, and things that I've written have be- been because actually there's been a gap. It's the jobbing somewhere. aspect That's of it, right. isn't it? I need this. Um, uh, you know, I needed a set of upper voice canticles that were unaccompanied for a Lady Chapel Evensong on a Friday and realised that there weren't any. 
Oh, gosh. Because everyone, as soon as you have upper voices, you need an accompaniment because yes. something, you know, you've got to fill in something the grace part. Missing, yeah. So, you know, I wrote a couple of sets and actually they were published, which surprised me. <laughs> <laughs> and so I've done a lot of that. And actually, but I have been having a number of things published recently. And it's been it's been fun, actually. But I guess that, you know, as I, my problem with programming music lists is that I, I could actually, until until I set myself this challenge last term to make sure that it didn't happen again, but I was capable of writing an entire music list that only had men on it, yes. with the exception of myself, and I didn't actually put my own name on it in order to make sure there was a woman on the music list. I put my own name on it because I realized I needed something that didn't exist, so, yes. well, I was going to have to write it myself in that case. <laughs> So talk to me a little bit about the, you've, you've talked about upper voices in, in the Lady Chapel, so talk to me a bit about the foundation of the girls' choir at, at Ely. Right, well, the, the girls' choir was founded in uh, 2006. Um, I was not actually the first director of it. Louise Reed was the first director. I took over a couple of years later. It was founded, uh, it's an interesting foundation because it's actually funded and run through the school, mm-hmm. even though it's called the Ely Cathedral Girls' Choir, although the, the, the cathedral is, in essence, King's School Ely's chapel. Yes. Because they don't have a chapel, and their, their school services are held, you know, three a week in the cathedral. And so they were originally founded as a senior school choir, so the girls came in in year nine, but the idea was to give them the same kind of intensive chorister boarding experience that boys got, but at the older age. And it was very successful and the choir has been very good. But since the changes recently that Michael Gove made when he was education secretary to GCSEs and A-levels, that actually isn't compatible anymore. Mm. And so we are currently in the process of lowering the age range. And we will now take we now take girls into year seven. um, And they don't remain in the choir for the sixth form. And indeed, they have huge amounts of they'll have weeks and weeks off of singing when they do their GCSEs in year 11. Right. And I've found all kinds of benefits, not the least of which is educational, which is obviously a crucial benefit, but that it, uh, it has a lot to do with the girls' voice change and when that occurs, which is a little later than in boys, tends to occur during year 11. And so I now have a choir when I have just the year 7 to 11 kids with the girls starting as trebles all the way through to the peak of their voices before they change into young sopranos and young mezzos mm. and so that from that point of view it's sort of equivalent to a boys choir which runs from approximately year three or four to year eight mm-hmm. which is a, the point at which the boys are right at the peak before their voices change so i mean you've got this extraordinary range of things that you're doing but do you get much chance to actually play the organ because that's where you came into all of this yes i don't unfortunately <laughs> i don't get as much chance as i would like i make myself play recitals in order to ensure that I do do some practicing. In fact, I'm going, uh, I'll be going up to Bradford Cathedral to play uh, in about, well, a week mm-hmm. or two. And liturgically, I don't play as much as I'd like in particular. I, I try and play at Little St. Mary's where I used to be the assistant organist. I try and go about once or twice a term just on a Sunday morning just to get a chance to play some hymns and do some improvisation rather than recital work. But yeah, it's the thing that that I don't have time to do, which makes me sad sometimes. Yes, 
there always has to be a, a balance and a loss somewhere, doesn't mm, there? Exactly. But you've been doing an awful lot of recording recently, though, with, with Selwyn. Yes, with both choirs, actually. Yes. I do. Um, Selwyn normally does one or two recordings a year, and the Ely girls do a, re- a recording every year or two. The girls just did their first recording with the Laylocks, which was oh, fantastic. So that was a Christmas recording that came out just before Christmas 2018. Yes. And was Disc of the Week on Classic FM Whoa. at one point. So that was, <laughs> that was really nice for us. And Selwyn Choir does a number of recordings. Uh, one of the things we do a lot of is single composer discs uh, of living composers. Yes. Interestingly, we have not yet had a woman on that series. <laughs> I've done 13 discs, I think, Gosh, of single living many? composers. Wow. Yeah. So... Well, there's an opportunity yeah, there. There's an opportunity. So if you're listening to this and you're a female and composer... you're a female composer, now's the chance. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, it's been really interesting catching up with you again and, and finding out what's going on. So thank you very much for giving of your time and, and letting us share your wonderful view from your office. You're very welcome. Thank you very much for coming. Thanks, Sarah. was Sarah MacDonald, Director of Music at Selwyn College, talking to our contributor, Jan Moore.